Hashtag MSW live now. on 947 Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live at the same time. Hashtag MSW. Yeah, the Friday edition, eh? Knocking on the weekend. But like I was saying, all right, I've taken a sip of water. All is under control. And it kind of threw me back to, you know, like when you're growing up, whether it's in a village or like some of us who grew up on farms, um, you'd pretend to be swimming. You'd pretend to be swimming in those little side lakes. Swim, row, do whatever it is that you thought was great for you. But trust me, whatever we were trying to do was real amateur and amateurish. Because trust me, some people can actually row. Water is their best friend. And one such lady who knows her water, like maybe a duck, hey, is my guest. Believe me when I tell you, though, that her story will inspire you to do better, uh, to be better, and also never, ever give up. I'll tell you her name in a second. But rowing is her first love. So when I heard <laughs> that she hails from Tembisa, I was like, Tembisa? Rowing? Impossible. How can the two even match? And I started having these images of a Jeris Kosana. That's one of the few people that I know from Tembisa. I started thinking of uh, <laughs> uh, who Saddam Ake, another guy that I know, our elder Kaiser Chiefs fan, also from Tembisa. And I'm thinking there's no way. The best they can do with water is to drink it. <laughs> um, I mean, she's rowed across the Atlantic Ocean. She's also an HR specialist, an author, comedian, and a whole lot more. And that is why 30 minutes is not even going to do justice to even cover a fraction of her story. Oh, my goodness. Tato Mabelane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everybody listening uh, in the cars on the way home. Thank yes. you so much, Rob. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I could have gone on and on. I was like, yo, okay, I'm going to chew up all the time just trying to introduce you <laughs> I, I, I might start very somber because of so many things that have happened in your life because of so many things that you've had to go through so many things that have been good and bad yeah was there ever ever a time where you thought you would die nope ever okay. even the encounter with the shock nope no <laughs> okay maybe maybe let me be honest when yeah. i when I was going through my cancer journey, like, yeah, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not going to make this one. But, but other than that, it was, the, the rowing was, yeah, I felt safe. Yeah. Uh, because I, I made a declaration before we went across that we were going to be safe. So I, I, I believed firmly in that, that we were doing something for a great cause and mm-hmm. we were going to be fine. Yeah. So the waters were not a problem. Nah. It, it, it was that unintended unexpected discovery of breast cancer that shook you yep that was yeah but how how, how did it uh, i mean people deliberately go for a screening because they want to know yeah was that the case for you uh no actually i had um like a lump that i sort of ignored for like a week and then i went to a doctor and then yeah. the doctor said no this is all muscle because i just started back rowing that's this was in 2020 yeah. and then he was like no you you're not as young as you were before um so it's probably just muscle so yeah. take a break from rowing for a week and i did 
and then the thing sort of subsided like i think subconsciously but it was still there and then a couple of months later like my um like the same like it was at my left uh, breast um, yeah. it was uh, dis- dispelling some liquid then i was like okay, okay this is not okay so i went and did my screenings and then by december i was diagnosed <laughs> yeah so diagnosed with breast cancer yeah. was it was it both or the one where the lump was the one with the where the lump was yeah and it had um by the time it was diagnosed it was on uh, level 2 or stage, stage two, 2 and it had moved to my uh, lymph nodes Whew. And yeah. it's always a danger when it does that because when it starts the journey, hey. the lymph nodes and then everything, the liver becomes a target, etc. So were those the kind of thoughts that were going through your mind? Yeah, those were. I yeah. was like, oh, maybe it's spread already. Um, but then the, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, very great oncology team. So they threw yeah. like the kitchen sink at me. Six months chemo, everything. <laughs> Six Bilexal. months intense. Yeah bilateral mastectomy and then radiation so 11 months treatment journey of yeah of that yeah and and as someone who's also an athlete how did that whole chemo journey then affect you because you get stories that people get drained because at times and the, and the hair falls off and there's so many things that happen which are different mm. to your normal biological journey um i would say that the so the 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 the, the chemo was a bit hectic in terms of making me tired yeah but because I was so afraid of the journey, I, I went out to row almost every day because I, with rowing, rowing is quite meditative yes. and it's my love. And, and you, I mean, what you think about is just rowing and not the pain or yeah. the, yeah, all these issues with, with uh, disease. So I actually rowed more in my, in my uh, yeah, treatment journey. And so you're like, cancer, you're coming this way. I'm going to fight you with what I know yeah. what to do physically, basically. Yeah, physically, yeah. Because yeah. I, I had a, this thing in my head that I don't want to be weak. So I just went on and I rode and, and I got really, really fit and got really yeah. strong in that time. <laughs> but what are the doctors saying? Because you're almost defying medicine. Well, I didn't really like communicate to my doctors about the rowing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was just like, I'm going to go out and just be in nature. And being on water is my therapy. So. Yeah. It just helped me deal. And at the same time, I got strong. So it was like the opposite. And, and the incredible thing about you is that one month after that chemo, um, I mean, you obviously what we call win the battle yeah. with cancer. You qualify now for the World Coastal Rowing Championships in Portugal. Yep. So that, for me, blew my mind. Because there's a mental side where people get completely distraught and they on the verge of giving up and giving up on life. But here you are battling cancer. Chemo's been intense, as you've described. But then guess what? I'm going to shoot off to Portugal. Yeah, that was quite surprising for me as well. Uh, But uh, how can I say? Like I've been rowing for a very long time. I, I rowed for the country in my past life. And it was just almost like muscle memory. Uh, and in the time of the journey, I was yeah. quite intense with the training because of running away from the thing. Sure. Um, and that sort of made me strong and fit. Um, and I didn't end up going to Portugal, but it, it was something that I was selected for. I was the fastest female athlete. Qualified, yeah. Yeah, fastest female athlete in the selection and like third fastest athlete overall. Able to share why you couldn't go? Just some issues with uh, administration. Yeah. Yeah, that I don't want to get into now. Politics. Yeah. Sports. I mean, you know. 
<laughs> no, we've, we've had to deal with that so many times. I just thought that rowing, after we Ooh. did so well at the Olympics, and there was our first black rower who was there being recognized and so on. And I just thought, okay, fine. This will be an inspiration for many others to take charge. So if you're being denied, then... That really says to me that I'm going to have to investigate your case. I know it's many years back, but uh, you know, some of us like to know what has been going on. You don't have to yeah. chat about it, but it's, it's disappointing because it shouldn't be. I mean, I've felt sorry for the hockey players, male and female. They've qualified. Sescott comes through and says, no, you're not qualifying. You're not going to the Olympic Games. They're like, oh, okay, so what must we do? <laughs> Which is a problem as well. Yeah. The comedy side. Yes. When did you realize you were funny? <laughs> I didn't realize I was funny. Oh, well, let me let me not let me not lie. I've always been like the the idiot in the in the family, like the one that like does little skits yes. in, just just in my immediate family, right? Yeah. And um, how I got into comedy uh, was by mistake. So I was preparing for my expedition for the crossing, and I had prepared for the or I had known about the crossing for about four years, yeah. and then I only told my close friends that I was doing it like six months before the time. And my friends were like, Tato, you're going to die. <laughs> and I freaked out and I said to myself, I love physics. So I said, quantum physics says if I do something scary now before I go, I'll be fine. That's what I was talking about, the declaration. Yes, yes. And I went and did a list of things. And I think I had uh, skydiving, uh, bungee jumping, and then comedy made it on the list. Mm-hmm. And then these two, I sort of were disqualified because at the time I was uh, head of HR for a very big um, yeah. corporate uh, software house. So I didn't find the time to do that. I was like, okay, comedy. Then I just went to Monte Casino and I did a set. And and nine years later, I'm, I'm yeah. But it's touring. not easy there. What's a, what's a comedy club called? It's um, Parker's yes, Comedy. Yes, Parker's Comedy. Yeah. Not everyone can get there. So clearly there was something that they, they spotted in you that was like, yeah, please. I mean, that's like a proper comedy club. It's yeah, almost similar to places you find overseas, yeah. America, et cetera. Yeah. But very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, lucky is one thing, being great at it. Because it's it's a whole reaction thing. Yeah. I, I think we all know that how difficult it is to face an audience. And if the audience is not laughing, then you're like, oh, okay, maybe not. You know, Stick off the leg. stage, <laughs> off the stage I go as well. Um, I mean, you were saying to me off air that even tonight, you're going to be heading off. Give me details of that. Sure. Um, I've got my special uh, tonight at the Biscope Independent Cinema. That's mm-hmm. at uh, Mill Park, 44 Stanley. Um, I've been touring my special. It's titled Third Generation Coconut. It's been to Durban, Grahamstown yeah. twice. It's been to Cape Town lots of times. And wow. now I'm just extending it to the rest of the country so that I could share the vibes. Why that, why that title? Because most of my life I've been teased by people calling me a coconut because I sound like this yeah. and I'm not actually a coconut. Um, so it's the it's poking fun at what, you know, my lived experiences. And, and perceptions. And perceptions, yes. And I chose the coconut troop because uh, people would tease me for rowing and saying, why are you doing white sports? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, it's actually not. It's just a sport. But yes. yeah. Come and listen to the show. <laughs> so you, do you take a dig at yourself, basically? Basically, yeah. 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 And, and not too many people can do that. And yes, I mean, rowing. Oh, I can't swim, dude. Like, that's, that's, really? No, I can't. I can't. I've spoken <laughs> very publicly about this. Um, traumatic experience. But Ooh, um, 
But I can't. If I dangle my feet in a swimming pool, that's the most I can do. Drink water, that's the most I can do. Sure. Take a shower. You know, that is my interaction with water. But, <laughs> wow. but here, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sitting next to someone who's a great swimmer, a great rower, renowned. And was it about going to that lake in Centurion that formed the formative years? Yeah, I think so. So, like, my parents, when we were small, like, probably toddler level, yeah. uh, we would go away for, like, picnics and always go to, yeah. Fer, it was called Fervurpek then. Yay. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> for Vurpek? Yeah, and they were the they originator. Had, <laughs> they had these pedal boats there, yeah. and and I I just fell in love with with the boats, and then when I and then obviously I'd started rowing when I was fourteen, but when I asked my mom and dad like w- because the the love for water is a real it's like a yeah, yeah it, we are we are close me and yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. And my mom, my mom and dad actually told me that my grandfather, my paternal grandfather was a fisherman. Mm. So the relationship with water comes from there, boats and yeah, it's a past life thing. (laughs) So where was grandfather fishing? Uh, Maputo. He's a, yeah, he comes from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that would make sense. Mm -hmm. So like I was trying to link Tembisa and rowing, you know, but obviously you can be from anywhere and end up, you know, with great skills in terms of a sport that you you, you get to like, but it is a very physically demanding sport. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, I, I've tried just doing the drawing, which is in the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which is no idea what you have to navigate when you're in the water, but it also just gives you an idea of the resistance. You know, as the wheel turns back, that's when you're supposed to pull. Then yeah. it's the other way around. You know, for you, what's the most challenging? Because mm-hmm. I can't see it as being the fitness side. It, it, it's what. The navigational side, uh, for what? what sorry, for the rowing now. This is rowing. yeah. W- when you're in the water and you you're competing, and what do you call it? You're, you're, the, you're the team leader at the yeah, time. Yeah. W- what is the most challenging? Uh, the most challenging is to keep up with the rate of, like, for example, in a regatta, you yeah. would go off. It's a two k. That's the standard thing. Two k sprint and. It's just to keep keep up with the with the field, and yeah. then like uh, in rowing, we call it negative splitting. So you start off slower, mm-hmm. and then as you go through the five hundred meters, like because it's broken down in four, then you go faster and faster. So the challenge is to keep up with the with the field in the beginning, and then so that when you doing your kick, then you yeah. can drop them. Hopefully, <laughs> it doesn't always move cast that No, way. I was going to say it sounds very, very technical. <laughs> and, and and being the humble person that you are, I, you know, I got to congratulate you because I mean, recently when you participated in that World Masters Rowing Championships, you took home two golds, yes, sir. one silver. Must be very proud. Yes, yes, that was. Was that one of epic. the in your career? Yes, that I must say that yeah, it was. Um, I was very, very fortunate to be able to row with Sizwen uh, Lovu, who's yes. the Olympian. And we, we, it's so special. We born on the same day, just but uh, two years apart. Oh, wow. And on our birthday, we got in a boat and we raced and we, we just dropped the field, which was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. Can you imagine? Yeah, iconic. <laughs> wow. That, that's unbelievable. I mean, the whole birthday thing, you know, I'm not a believer in stars and, and yeah. things like that. But then there just seems to be some form of alignment when you talk about that story. Yeah. How is he doing? Yeah, he's perfect. He's doing well. He's yeah. traveling. He's doing uh, work with, uh, I think, World Rowing. So he's 
in the dev uh, yeah. side, just going to different countries and just building up the sport and talking to people about getting the sports up and up Yeah, and because, I mean, he was a shining example as far as the Olympic Games is concerned. And yeah, he's still in there. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Is he going to Paris? Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Would you be going to Paris? I mean, surely. Right? You're not giving up. You're going to say you're too old. No, there's no such. I think the qualifiers are like done. I'm old, dude. I'm 40. <laughs> you can do so many things. Especially when you're technically gifted. So I don't even bring age in oh, yeah, as anything. Um, and I think one of the things I wanted to ask you about, mm-hmm. um, the positive attitude, uh, despite everything else, always finding humor in any situation that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is that a correct assessment of why you've taken to the stage, written the, the one woman comedy, and say, hey, world, come through, come listen. I'm here. Let's enjoy this ride. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's two things. So when I was, when I was young, like um, when I was probably like a toddler, yeah. I used to suck my thumb. And then when I turned 11, I went to my mom to ask her to help me stop the habit. And then she taught me about affirmations. And then basically affirmations have been part and parcel of my life. And because Mm of that positive, I've taught my brain to think always positively. Um, I always get like option thinking or option ideas. And that's where the humor comes in. So like even when I was going through my chemo journey, like Mm -hmm. with no hair, I, I didn't have like, I... Eyebrows, eyelashes, I looked like a ghost. But I used to like tease myself like while looking at myself in the mirror yeah. because the humor is there, even though it's sad. Yes. But there's always humor. <laughs> <laughs> when you describe that look like a ghost, I'm like Okay. I I, I, I get why. I, I get why you're you know, you're into comedy because we also don't know where this life's journey is. Yeah. Uh when it will end as well. So at least you were presented with an opportunity to do something to try and prevent something from spreading and potentially ending your life. And we all have stories of family members affected, you know, by cancer. Yeah. 2015, (laughs) the attempt at the Guinness Book of Records. Yes, sir. Would always sound great, but that's why it's the Guinness Book of Records. It's, It's the most difficult. So then you have to go through difficulties in trying to achieve it. Yeah. But did you anticipate the drama that it came with? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but do you think back and say, what on earth? I mean, give us a, a synopsis of that because I mean, people are thinking, well, what's he talking about? I mean, surely it's just going for Guinness Book of Records. But yours was extremely, extremely dramatic. Um, yeah. So we were, so thank you for that, Rob. We were going for the fastest crossing. Yeah. Uh, re, like the trade routes, so from Gran Canaria, which is in Spain, to Barbados, so like the West Indies, so yeah. that that's a trade route. And the fastest crossing at the time had been 31 days. Um, and to qualify it as a Guinness World Record, the voyage had to be unsupported, so we couldn't have like a boat that's following us or mm-hmm. anything like this, and we couldn't have any sails. Um, it was it had to be a rowing expedition, not not a sailing. Yeah, so. We left Grand Canaria on the 20th of January in yeah. the highest uh, storms because we wanted our boat to be propelled through the, obviously, the Atlantic to get yeah. to, the, to the fastest crossing. And within the first, I think, 24 hours, we broke our, our lights. 
like the like the the, the crew lights, yeah, yeah. and then we broke our um, auto helm, which is the navigation. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> in the first week, we almost got taken out by a super tanker because we were in shipping lanes. We were a small vessel in the ocean, and the ships are just moving. Yeah. yeah. And so we were in shipping lanes, and it was in the middle of the night. We don't have a light. And um, the ship that was gearing down at us had been on autopilot and we were phoning and like the, the, the skipper was radioing, hey, yeah. please move because we didn't have enough horsepower to move. Yeah. And, and eventually like the guy picked up and then it was a Russian um, super tank and they, they moved. So like <laughs> um, <laughs> Russian super tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and the swells, like just being inside, I had never been at sea before this expedition. So being inside the ocean and seeing something in the middle of the night that looks like a tree, but then it doesn't because it's like a, a swell just moving yeah, up yeah, and down yeah. and thinking that it's going to crush on us and kill us. Uh, yeah. And then we were attacked by a great white, um, on Valentine's day. Oh, <laughs> Which was, yeah, which was super, super scary yeah. because it, it felt like a, a movie. Like we were, so I was stroking, which is leading, yeah. um, setting the rhythm. So the speedometer was in front of me and we were going at about 4.5 nautical miles. Mm. I mean, it's like an like afternoon, it's probably about 5 p.m. Rowing, rowing, and then this thing hits us. And I'm looking at the speedometer, we're going 4.5, 6 to 12.5. That's how much force. It had. Yep. Yeah, and he, he, he wasn't coming to bite us, and I'm assuming it's a he. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, so we formed goose barnacles, the vessel formed goose barnacles, and then those goose barnacles then attracted fish. Oh. So it was like a, it was like a snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah just leading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a snack on any human being. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. Yeah. But uh, that, yeah. again, I say, a great white coming through, boom. <sighs> And, and here you are. You live to tell the tale. Not direct threat to you, but a, a threat to anybody yeah. that was on board at the time. Yeah. But how are you finding the, you know, I'll call it still waters when you kind of rowing. And then the yeah. next thing, I mean, I get motion sickness, for example. Were people not reacting to that? Were, were in a similar situation as you, who probably encountering the sea for the very first time? Yeah, so everybody, including our skipper, had uh, seasickness, yeah. uh, which obviously just chandering over. And because it was like we we left yeah. at a storm, and I was the only one that didn't get that. I don't know. What well, you taken? Water and I are friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say still water. Now, obviously, clearly any type of water. Yeah. And you, you managed. It wasn't like because you're taking... Yeah, so everybody took something called Stugaron. Yeah, so yeah. it's like a seasickness uh, tablet. Um, but every everyone, it was so rough that the boat was going like this as I'm going to my shift. It was doing yeah. that. So it was like like a washing machine, like maybe for two you weeks. Just flip. Yeah, just like that. Was you, you were in sea for like 26 days. 43. 43? Yeah. <laughs> what are you eating? Uh, dehydrated food, uh, so we had like uh, f- like freeze dried meals, and then we just put water, and then they they just swell up, like the camping people do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm <laughs> reacting this way, but um, I mean it's, it's it's a story and a half. Where to from here for you? What are the next crazies achievements? Because again, you've got a nine to five job, which we must also take into consideration uh, human resources manager 
like you said, big firms, expectations for delivery, and so on. But you've also got this other life, this other layer that is there. Yeah. Maybe let me talk about that other layer. Mm-hmm. What's what's next in the new year for you? Um, so, in in terms of my my journey, it has taught me that life is short. Yeah. Right. And um, I managed to have a, an agreement with my current employer to only work three day weeks so only available for three days and the other two days i'm building um myself as a speaker to to obviously share the stories there's some insight and some awesome tools that i have that i didn't even know that i had but like all these things that i achieve i'm like ah these tools yeah yeah i can help others just to show up differently for themselves and just to achieve and and share that everybody's loved because I think in society there's just so much hate and so much competition. It's not about that. It's about mm-hmm. exploring the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently doing my PPL, which is a private palace license, and I'm writing the book um, just so that it's... That was going to be legacy. my question at the end. I'm like, <laughs> surely all this crazy, this beautiful, this... This journey deserves a book. Absolutely. I have so you started? started? Oh, you have already? Yeah, I've started, yeah. Okay, I love that. I love that. Start, write, finish that book. Uh, because, uh, you know, I was going to mention the fact that at the Master's Regatta uh, in Rudaplatt as well, I mean, you, you were one day popping up as a volunteer, then you competitor, you know, then <laughs> comedian, and then a commentator. Hey. <laughs> I have too much energy. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to be a pilot. Yes, sir. That has always been the dream. Oh, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Please invite us to your book launch. Yes, I will. Definitely. Please do. I will. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll come through. I've been spellbound, speechless with this <laughs> conversation. I can't even believe how quickly the 30 minutes has flown by. Wow. Um, her name, Tanto Mabelane, my guest tonight. Comedian, champion rower, motivational speaker, breast cancer survivor, mentor, First African woman to row across the Atlantic. 